great. Um, I'm surrounded by recording iPhones right now. Um, I am so excited to be with you guys this morning. Let me get settled here. Um, there has been much anticipation on my part, just preparing and praying through what I'm going to speak on today and um, just praying for you guys and what the Lord wants to do in you. So I'm excited and hope you guys are too. Um, so most of you know who I am. I'm Tyrell's wife and I help lead DLA. Um, I, Amy and I, Amy Perkins and I lead the DLA core women. Uh, I always have to get that straight because there are so many different leaders, but um, and we really love it. We've been here, we've been back from Arkansas now for a year and a half, which is crazy. And I'm a new mom. I have a little 15-month-old who is precious and did not nap this morning. So <laughs> make me a little more frazzled, but I'm good. Um, so it's great. But uh, we're just loving life and loving being a part of your lives and, um, you know, doing this prayer thing and loving Jesus. Um, today... I'm going to share about our life as a daughter uh, to Father God, and specifically our secret life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about God the Father and us as daughters, but um, I'm really going to delve into what our secret life looks like, so um, what no one else sees. Um, So I want you to close your eyes real quick, and just think about this question, think about the answer to it. What perception do you give other people of who you are? Are you accurately portraying yourself? Just think for a second. All right, you can open your eyes. If not, if you're not accurately portraying yourself, um, like you know know who you are, but other people are perceiving something different about you, um, why is that? Why are you you projecting yourself as someone else? Uh, We're going to answer some of those questions today. So let's pray. Father, we invite you in this room. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and uh, soften our hearts, God. Father, I pray that you would pierce our hearts where um, truth needs to replace lies. And Father, I pray that we would be willing to forsake the dead and the broken things in our hearts. God, I ask that you would just till the soil of our souls and our spirits today, God. Father, I pray that every word I speak that is not from you would fall to the ground. But, Father, those that are from you, I pray that they would go deep in these women's hearts, Lord, and they would last a lifetime, and that they would grow and be watered, God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for giving me this message, Father. And I ask that you would be with us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so before we can talk about me as daughter or us as daughters, we need to look at God as Father. So anybody who's heard me speak before knows I love definitions. So I was looking up the definition of Father and really expecting some sort of unexpected, glorious definition, you know, like, oh, this is going to be a good one. It wasn't. I was disappointed. Uh, But I just kept looking at more definitions in those definitions and got to some good stuff. So anyway, the definition of father is a man who has begotten a child. That is not glorious. That's just a father. 
but begotten or beget means to procreate as a father. And procreate means to bring forth a child. So when we're thinking about, you know, parenthood and stuff, that's not all that incredible because it's kind of obvious. But when you think about me as a daughter of God and the Father is bringing forth my life for a purpose and a reason, that's a little bit cooler. So God chose each and every one of us for life. He, said, he called us out and said, come and live. So that's incredible. Um, and we need to understand that because our Father God has done that, there is a purpose and there is a reason for us to be here. We're not just like floating through life aimlessly with no real reason for being here. Um, um, so, and there's some scriptures. Actually, I want to look at Ezekiel. No, I don't. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Y'all write these down because you can look these up. I'm like time crunched with some things. But anyway, Acts 20, 28. And you guys probably know all these, but I just want you to know them. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And Ezekiel 16, 6. And really look those up. If you're struggling with you know, why, why am I here? Why did you create me? Why am I in the family I'm in? You know, what, what's the purpose of my... You really need to study those scriptures. Um, so now I want to really address that there um, is an obvious um, analogy, but really, really gaping differences in Father God and our earthly fathers. Um, so there are points and positions that are similar between the two type of fathers. Um, but the key is realizing our earthly fathers are merely symbols of Father God. So the analogy that came to my head was <clears throat> the desperation prayer man. You know, everybody knows that symbol, right? Well, if nobody has ever heard the vision of desperation, that prayer man is really going to do little inspire nothing in them practically oh there's a circle prayer man you know or what is that i don't even know um but if you hear the vision of desperation and the heart behind it that prayer man begins to symbolize something greater in you and it kind of provokes um just feelings of uh connection or whatever you know like when i see it i'm like oh that's like I know that. I know that vision. I understand the heart behind it. I understand what being on your knees before the Lord in prayer for hours and hours and hours a day means. And it, it means something to me. It's deep in my heart. Um, it's a, and just like if somebody had never seen the prayer man and, and then they saw it, they wouldn't understand the vision behind it. Um, it's the same thing with fatherhood. We can't compare our earthly fathers to Father God until we know Father God, until we know who he is, who he says we are, and what our purpose is in him. We can't do it. We can't even begin to make that connection like my dad is nothing like Father God or I, you know, I don't trust God because my dad was not trustworthy. You got to lay that down. You have to lay that down because we have to realize that everything that our fathers lacked or lack, God doesn't. 
Because not only does he not lack love and faithfulness and loyalty and protection, he is those things. He is love. He doesn't just have love for us. He is love. He is faithful. He is never changing. So we really got to drive that home in our heads. You know, if you don't know that, study it, discover it in the Lord. You have to search this out. It's a journey to know God as Father. This can't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is who God is, is as Father. I can't do that in this setting. Like, it has to be discovered. You, each individually, we all have to respond to His beckoning, to His summoning us to Him, um, to His creating us and creating our life. We have to respond to that and say, okay, who are you? You really need to tell me. So I encourage you all to search that out if you don't know. Um, okay, so, um, so that's God as Father, and that's, well, there's a lot more to that than what I just mentioned, but that's, that's where I'm going to leave it today. Um, but now let's look at us as daughters, um, me as daughter. Uh, the first definition of daughter is a female offspring. That is incredible. Um, the second definition is a female adopted child. A little bit more incredible. Uh, the third definition is a human female descendant. So, these three definitions obvious, obviously reflect natural meaning in that female, adopted, you know, whatever. But there's also a major spiritual um, connotation here. And I want to read Romans eight fourteen through 17. So, you guys can look it up. Okay, um, I'm just going to read real quick. If you're still finding it, great. What was the reference Romans 8, 14 through 17. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There you go. There's nothing in question there, right? I mean, we are God's children. Um, so being a daughter, and these definitions from Webster, you know, being a female offspring, adopted child, and human, human female descendant, um, there's, there's a couple things we can find in the scripture here. And we are adopted children of God. So I have like this huge place in my heart for adoption, and one day we are going to adopt kids. And um, I just... The, the reflection of our relationship with God and me adopting a child is so real to me. Just understanding that I was born into sin nature. I was born into slavery. Um, but that's not how God created me to live. Like he ultimately had a destiny for me to be in his kingdom, to be an heir with Christ, to be his child. Um, and so we have to receive that adoption. We have to receive God as father. Um, so anyway, so there's two, two points in that, in that definition. We are adopted children of God and we are heirs with Christ, with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it's scriptural and it's our choice to receive it or not and think like that or not. Um, so 
we must know four, uh, four of our roles as daughters, four attributes that uh, we have as daughters. And, um, and it's, our, it's our calling, it's our destiny to fulfill these things. And, and really, I mean, I think these four things are like, wow, only four? Jeez. <laughs> but each one entails a lot. So, um, so I'm just going to go over a couple of those. The first one is relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. Um, our relationship with God, above all other purposes, uh, it's the most defining of our existence. You know, there's a lot of purpose in my relationship with Tyrell and my relationship with these women here, you know, Anna, Anna, you guys don't know Anna, <laughs> Candace, Amy, Renata, and Jenny and all of them, you know, there's purpose in my relationship with them, but nothing, nothing compares to my purpose um, in my relationship with God because I was created, I exist to have relationship with him. I don't exist to have relationship with Tyrell. Like, I exist to have relationship with God. Um, And my relationship with others is to show Jesus to those around me and to nurture and love those people around me, uh, to be a safe place for them. So the second attribute is purity in spirit and in body. And when I say in spirit, I mean heart, mind, and soul. And your heart is where your affections are. Where do your affections lie? And your mind is the source and the glory of your thoughts. Who or what gets the, gets the glory of your thoughts? And who or what is the source of your thoughts? And your soul, your habitual actions and character. So all that's entailed in your spirit. And so pure, having purity in your spirit, in your heart and in your soul and in your mind um, also, purity in your body, and that's, to me, your thoughts, which is just focusing on good things, pleasing things, holy things, pure things, not negative, worldly, um, ungodly, flesh ideas, you know. Where do your thoughts stay? Um, the second part of being pure in your body is physically, your literal body. Uh, are you taking care of what God has given you? Are you respecting the value of your body sexually and in a health sense? Are you taking, what are you putting in your body? Very practical, but very real. Um, in your emotions, are you swept to and fro by the winds of daily life and every emotion you could have? Or are you grounded? Do you have a foundation? Do you know who your God is and where your heart lies? And do you have an awareness of yourself in general? You know, I think that lies in emotions, especially with girls. You know, we can be a little... I mean, do you know if you are? Do you know if you're stable? It's important. The third attribute of a daughter is beauty, inside and out. Inside is cultivating depth in God, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. My core girls hear this all the time. Mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Where are you? Where's the health? Where's your health status? How are you doing? And then outside, are you accurately reflecting what's going on on the inside? What's been growing inside? And that's, I mean, that's as basic as, are you smiling? Are you showering? Are you taking care of yourself? You know, because basically, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, hi, 
you know, because we hear about beauty all the time and, like, how great that is. And it is great. It's so great. But, like, the bottom line is, are you creating an inviting presence for others to come to? Are you, like, snarling at people when you just stare off, you know, or are you like... <laughs> Nobody's going to come and talk to you. I have a funny story about that, I guess. So, Tyrell and I took a cruise. We went on a cruise um, two summers ago. Last, no, oh nine. I was pregnant. And um, I was pregnant. So, I was just tired. And I totally enjoyed it because my favorite thing is laying out. I mean, one of my favorite things. So I loved that whole aspect. But I was like, we need to go and explore the ship at night, you know, because all the lights and it's pretty and whatever. So we go and we play um, golf, putt-putt, whatever that is. And Tyrell went, because there's all these stairs. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, can we just stay on one level? I'm so tired (laughs) and out of breath. Um, So I just sat down on one level, and he, like, went down all these flights of stairs to return the uh, putters, whatever. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm just like this. <laughs> and somebody walks by, and they're like, hey, smile. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't even want to tell me that right now. <laughs> I'm so pregnant. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, what I was projecting was not really what's in my heart. And so... So it's that type of thing. I mean, are you creating an inviting place for others to join you? Or are you like, because I can definitely have those looks, and I really try not to. But anyway, Um, so the fourth attribute of a daughter is strength in the supernatural realm and in the natural realm. Um, In the supernatural realm, it's knowing how to battle in the spirit and knowing and, and taking your authority and using that to help others yeah. and yourself. And in the, natural, in the natural realm, our strength here is knowing our weakness. Yeah. Yeah. And being habitual about going to the Father and giving it to Him and allowing His strength to work in us and empower us. That's our natural strength, is knowing how weak we are. That's, That's weird, yeah. but it's true. And the, the sooner we realize that, the more God's going to be able to empower us and use us and be strong in us. So it's our role in the father-daughter relationship to live these attributes. And the more we do that, the more room the father has to work in us. So as we talk about life as a daughter, uh, we must be aware that what happens in, in the secret place isn't secret. It is in the secret place that one's greatness is defined, a place only the Father sees. Who we are in public is written by what we do in secret. So, what do you do when no one else is around? When it's dark, where do you let your thoughts roam? Who has domain in your heart, in your mind? I'm about to get really real here, so I really want your full attention. I'm going to ask you some hard questions, and I do not want you to answer out loud. (laughs) Do you watch romantic movies and let your thoughts, emotions, and your body 
wonder wherever it pleases. Do you read racy books and allow yourself to get immersed in the feelings, emotions, and romance? Do you debate with yourself and your thoughts about your sexual status? Am I straight? Maybe I'm gay. Maybe I'm bisexual. Have you awakened love before it is time? Do you take your se sexual pleasure into your own hands by masturbating? Do you have conversations in your mind with certain people that you wish or pretend practice were real-life conversations? That's a tall-tale sign of unforgiveness, by the way. Do you beat yourself up and put yourself down because, you, because of your failures, your shortcomings, or your imperfections? Do you have to check to make sure you're still alive? Do you cut yourself to be in control of the pain that is taking control of you? Do you obsess about your image and weight? Have you made an idol of your diet? Who or what is the source of your strength in fasting? Our society is saturated, saturated with women with untamed secret lives. Satan has a foothold in our minds and our hearts, and I just said them out loud. So what do we do? We've all thought thoughts like that. Every single one of us in this room. So what do we do with that? We confess safely to your leader or to someone who's trustworthy. James 5.16 talks about that. You need to know you're not alone. That's a lie in and of itself. If you think you're the only one in this circle that has thoughts like that, that's a lie. If you think you're the only one in the world that has thoughts like that, that for sure is a lie. Because remember when Jesus died on the cross? He bore it all. He bore every sin and every temptation, and it killed him. He was crushed by that sin that I just named. Isaiah 55.3 talks about that. But he didn't stay dead. The sin didn't crush him forever. He rose again to bring us life. So the end of the story isn't the depravity of our souls and our thoughts. He rose again, and he's alive. And there's a reason for that. So if Jesus didn't die for us, the girls who think those nasty, evil thoughts, who did he die for? Who is he crushed for? Who did he come to save? He came for the sick, the sick in the mind, the sick in the heart. Yeah. Matthew 9, 12 through 13 talks about that. So, life is a journey of refining this secret life, our bond with the Father. <coughs> so, where do we begin? We begin with honesty. This is... What starts the process of purification from perversion, disappointment, pain, rejection, anger, you fill in the blank. It begins with honesty. We must resist the temptation to live into the projection that we give other people of who we are. This mask 
of I've got it together, I'm holy, I'm pure, I'm striving for it, I'm living it, when at night, in the dark, when we're alone, we all have the same thoughts. We're all struggling with the same things. And that's temptation and sin. It's in us. It's who we are. It's a part of who we are. But we have a greater power and we have a greater strength because Jesus rose from the grave. So, God can mold an honest heart. But a foolish, naive heart is dangerous for us. One that denies what's really going on, that denies that this is sin. It is sin. Can't work with that. We have to get honest. We have to get honest with ourselves, and we have to get honest with God. Um, I'm on this journey just as much as any of you are, because we all are on the same journey. Um, Over... The years I'm learning, too, to really understand what I'm feeling in the moment. If I'm angry, then I'm angry. I'm not like, oh, I'm angry. i got to pretend I'm not so other people don't think that I don't have it together and I shouldn't be a pastor's wife and I can't lead people. That's a lie. When I'm angry, I'm angry. And I tell God. I don't stay angry. Just if, I mean, a short while ago, I'm like... I was so angry one day, and it was, like, festering in me. And I finally, after, like, 24 hours of knowing I was really angry, I got before the Lord, and I was like, I am so angry. I mean, it it was so not, I mean, it's a little daunting to tell God you're really, really angry. And then I went a step further, and I'm like, I'm angry at you. I'm angry at myself. And I began to just pour out my heart every piece of anger that I felt. One of which was God, which is scary. But he received it. And I didn't stay in my anger. I didn't stay there. As, as hard as it was, I mean, I was literally gritting my teeth. I'm like, I want you to come in. I want you to do whatever you need to do to my heart. I'm not like this anymore. And I really was feeling nothing. Like, so broken, so tired, and so angry. I had not, I didn't have an ounce of energy in me to, like, pace or lift my hands up or say, Yes, God. I'm just like, just do what you have to do. I don't want to be like this anymore. And he did. He did. He came in. I don't know what he did, but I'm like, I feel better, you know? And I wasn't angry anymore. And really, it was that simple. But up until the point that I confessed, there was no hope for me. There was no hope. Nothing could be done. Nobody could say, oh, Mary Beth, you don't need to be upset. Oh, it's going to be okay. Doesn't matter. I'm angry. You can't help me. You know, but when I confess, well, I got real with myself first and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm angry. I'm like fiery, angry right now and nobody's calming me down. And then I get before the Lord and I give it to him. That was where it started to get a little bit more powerful. Like, okay, maybe I have a little hope now. Maybe tomorrow won't be so angry. 
Um, and then I just inviting him in was the real work. Inviting him in the middle of that anger. You can't stay in that broken place. You can't stay there. Whatever it is, whatever feeling or emotion or brokenness you feel, you can't stay there. It'll crush you. And someone's already been crushed for that. There's no need for you to. So I came up with like a little seven-step process. It's like for alcoholics, the 12-step process. But <laughs> this is for broken people. The seven-step process. Number one, get real. Be honest. Number two, tell the Father. We can't be honest. We can't be honest with just ourselves and not let God in the middle of the process. Number three, confess your sin. Don't confess to everyone, but confess to someone who's trustworthy, your leader, a best friend. Number four, ask him to come. Invite him in the middle of your brokenness. Number five, repent. There is so much freedom. I mean, I, this is, I got this whole seven-step process from what I experienced just a little while ago with this anger issue. And really, you know, as soon as he came into the middle of my heart, I could feel him there. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for holding this unforgiveness, for being so weak and so fragile and not letting you in. So, repentance is key. Sixth step, give and receive forgiveness. Unforgiveness and not receiving forgiveness will keep you separated from the Father. Every step is critical. You can't skip one. Every step you have to do. And the seventh is wait on the Father to move in you. Put yourself in a position to be still and let him work in your heart without distractions, sin, or temptation around you. You have to be still and get alone with the Lord and lay naked and bare before him and say, I know you see everything, and now I'm confessing it. So come in and clean this up, because I don't know what to do with it. We were called to live a virtuous life. Upholding a standard of excellent morality and behavior. That's not so spiritual as it is practical. To be moral. To behave like a lady, you know. So, I want to ask you this. What if we were a different breed of women who didn't gossip about our sisters who didn't compare our strengths and weaknesses with others. Who didn't criticize those around us. What if? I mean, we can be that. The first step is being honest and getting real. So I want to challenge you to pray more dangerous prayers. To live beyond the good standard our society has set. And live into the kingdom standard the Father has set. 
Understanding that doing bad things, or not doing bad things, or simply being good, doesn't cut it. When you're really honest, 